Welcome to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio, brought to you by Visit Anderson, South Carolina, home of beautiful Lake Hartwell. The Rapala family of fishing products, including VMC hooks and 13 fishing rods, reels, and more. And the Bass Angler Sportsman Society. Now, here's your host, Lifetime BASS member, Tom Abraham. Welcome to this week's episode of Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. I am Tom Abraham, your guide for the next hour as we feature the Bassmaster Elite Series and those looking to get into that exclusive group through the St. Croix Bassmaster Open Series and the up-and-comers on the Strike King Bassmaster College Series and the tens of thousands of Bass Nation anglers around the country competing on the local level, all with a chance to advance to the big leagues of professional fishing. Now, the Bass Nation operates youth, high school, and college programs, including a junior Bassmaster Championship, high school national championship, college national championship, and the college bracket event, leading to a Bassmaster Classic birth. The Bass Nation is at the grassroots of who we are. And for more information about how to become a member or to start a Bass Nation club, visit Bassmaster.com and click on the Nation tab. Now, the best way to communicate with the show is to visit our Facebook fan page at Facebook.com forward slash Bass or on Twitter at Bassmaster and use the hashtag Bass Radio. You can also listen to all the shows at Bassmaster.com forward slash radio or just hit the Nation tab at Bassmaster.com and click on Bassmaster Radio. Our first cast segment of the show is brought to you by 13 Fishing, and we have a great deal for you right now. The Gerald Swindle Design Meta Series Rods and Inception G2 Reels are available at 13fishing.com along with all their other great products and for a limited time you can get 20% off your entire order by using the discount code BASSRADIO20 that's BASSRADIO20 only at 13fishing.com now I fish these rods and reels myself and could not be happier get 20% off with the code BASSRADIO20 the elites put on quite a show at the Sabine River in the folds of honor Bassmaster Elite at the Sabine River and today the top three finishers join us as they do after every elite event Getting the win after five second-place finishes is Brock Mosley. And if he looked a little different on Sunday, that's because he rocked the red jersey instead of that normal Sunday Ole Miss blue. And I'll let him tell you why. Finishing second was 2020 Angler of the Year Clark Wendlet, who also is a three-time FLW Angler of the Year. And he did it old school with a jig and a spinnerbait. But in a leadoff role, making the most of his first championship Sunday with a third-place finish, the personable Matty Wong in just his second season on the Elite Tour, and until this week, Maddie's best finish was 14th at the Chickamauga last year, but he has uh, he's had a great event here in Texas, and he's joining us now on the VMC Redline Hook. Maddie, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Tom. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. Oof, what, a, what a week. Yeah, it, it was, uh, and, and the relief that you felt on Saturday after you started catching them, and, you know, it was early on when you had six or seven pounds, you knew that you were going to be fishing on Sunday, and uh, and that was pretty cool because you could, it was palpable, you could feel it at home, you know, that uh, you knew you had made Championship Sunday. Yeah, it, um, it, it, I think it was around 8.30 when I caught, you know that one fish that uh, that kind of ticked me over that eight pound mark, and and I knew that's that's what I was going to need to uh, fish Sunday, and um, you know that that was such a momentum like moment, momentous uh, feeling because I've you know I, that's 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 the the glass ceiling that I've been trying to break uh, you know these past couple, two seasons, and and uh, it man it, it felt so good. 
And there's a lot of pressure right now. I mean, you know, we know the top 70 get immunity, if you will. You're you're 80th now after this tournament. Um, But you're fishing all of these waters that you have never fished before. And the pressure is to learn this stuff as quickly as possible as you head to the northern swing. But, um, you know, at the, at the Sabine, you found some things, obviously, that were familiar to you enough to, to give you this kind of confidence. Does the third-place finish give you confidence going forward that, yeah, I am exactly where I belong with these guys? Oh, 100%, man. I, it, was, uh, it was definitely the confidence that I needed. And, um, you know, anyone that makes it onto the elites belongs there. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that you just need to get some of that self, self-doubt out of your head and, uh, and just, just be confident. Know that, you know, you've fished hard and you've worked your butt off to get to where you're at. And uh, now it's just a matter of time. And, it, it, you know, being able to draw uh, from my previous experience fishing the California Delta and uh, fishing, you know, Lake Wilson on Oahu and then also like Ouachita River, it was really cool because I was able to kind of combine all those past experiences um, and uh, apply that with uh, the Sabine River. And you did it old school. I mean, you had that uh, double willow leaf blade spinner bait that you were throwing. You also did it with a crankbait, and it was interesting. Um, you were in a obviously you and Brock Mosley were sharing water a lot of the day Saturday and Sunday, um, but he was throwing primarily uh, top water, and and it seemed like you were smart enough to know that you could fish kind of the same water with a different technique and and pick up fish that maybe that weren't interested in his top water. Yeah, definitely. I mean, whenever you get into a stretch where you're sharing with another angler, you have to be you have to be really uh, you got to be smart about your decisions. And, and you got to be quick to, to see, like, okay, what's going on? What, what are the conditions, one? And then, two, what is the other people that are fishing your stretch? What are they, what are they not throwing? And, uh, and so, that, for me, it just, it just screamed spinnerbait and, and also just, you know, burning around a square bill, being able to make those fish react. I knew I was doing something different that Brock wasn't doing. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we, we all heard about the phone call, you know, that took place uh, going into Saturday and Friday night. Just talk about that and, and the mindset as you two guys had this conversation, which, by the way, it's amazing because this was a huge fishery, really. I mean, there was so much available to you guys, and yet here were two guys that were battling it out for the win, finding an area that was a couple of hundred yards that was right on top of each other. What was special about the spot? And talk to me about the phone call. You know, the, I think what was so special about that spot was that it was a uh, kind of like a cutoff um, uh, harbor where you had deep water, you had an interesting setup of structure uh, that was kind of like this old barge harbor um, that you'd have these pillars that jetted out perpendicular to a seawall, and the bastards would set up and feed on everything from mullet to to, to crayfish, to the bluegill, and uh, and some shad. I actually saw some schools of shad going up and down. And so, uh, you know, I, I I think a lot of those fish, um, you know, could have possibly been uh, retreads, you know, from from a previous tournament or something like that. Because mm-hmm. the, the the density of you know good fish on that stretch was was, was pretty incredible. Um, and, and like I said, I, I found those fish in practice. I'd, I'd got a couple key bites in there, um, but I didn't know how, how, uh, how momentous, like how, how, how thick they were in there, mm-hmm. um, until I rolled in there day two. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when Brock, you know, he shot me a text on Friday and, uh, we had a conversation 
I knew that he was going to be able to, like, he had a better boat draw, one, being leading it. Um, but, you know, you asked me if you can have this. And I was, you know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, I, being in, in, in that position, you know, I would uh, only only hope that someone would, would repay me in that similar situation. So I said, yeah, you know, you can have it for 20 minutes. I won't. I'm, I'll, uh, you know, I, I'll stay off of it. You can, you can do your thing. Because I, I wanted to start on the other end. You know, and uh, but he just the agreement we had was I'll I'll let him have that stretch and uh, and then we're going to share it for the rest of the day. I I, I thought, you know, he had mentioned to me that he had other fish in Taylor's and I thought he was going to leave. But, um, you know, he was also playing a a smart game, too, knowing that that was uh, kind of all I had left and um, ended up staying there. So that was that was tough. But I mean, it was it's. His uh, his experience in the sport, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, proved that, uh, you know, it's, you, you got to play strategy sometimes. Mm. Um, and you know, for for Saturday, I I told him like, look, man, like uh, I I'm not I'm not in 24th, I'm in fourth place, and I, I got a shot to win this thing. I I will I will respect you know what we did on Saturday, and I'll let you have it again. But this time, I'm starting from the other end, yeah. and. Uh, I let him have it for 20 minutes, and then I came in on the other end, and uh, I managed to. I beat him, and you know, I, I fished cleaner. I, I I I did lose one big key fish in the morning, uh, which really hurt me. But I would have had closer to 13 pounds, I think, if I, I had not lost that fish. But it, it was, it was, you know, it, it played out the way that it was meant to play out, and it was a huge learning experience for me. Um, one about decision making and and two about uh you know that kind of unique scenario where not a lot of sports have that similar kind of situation where you know two guys find a winning stretch that's less than 200 yards long but uh you know i you know brock is he's you know he deserved that win he it was his time to get it and uh you know i'm, I'm happy that he's no longer a bridesmaid so <laughs> you know it's good for good for him you know well and i think you earned a, i think you earned a ton of respect for it i mean it, we're, we're at a point in time where we've, we've seen some bad sportsmanship in the fishing world over the last uh year or so and uh you know that that fist bump that you guys shared as you passed <laughs> the ships passing in the day and you dropped the fist bump on each other I, you know, I thought that that was something that was really positive uh for the sport and uh you know brandon polinick who, who finished second in back-to-back tournaments here just recently and opens any elite said when it's your time to win nothing will stop it so maybe that four pounder jumps in your boat maybe that's it and and you get the victory so i i do think i do believe in that kind of uh deal and i think that will come around to you we're going to wish you the best of luck heading north um you know we've had you on the show before when you were a rookie but we hadn't had you in a top three show before and i'm glad to be able to do that and hopefully we can do it again uh sometime this summer awesome man yeah i'm, I'm really looking forward to getting up there again and uh that's just that's just a fun fun uh, segment of, of of the season, and, and and regardless on how it all shakes out, I've, I I just want to really enjoy myself up there and and not stress about too much because I I just got to leave it up there, you know. Yeah. Like you said, when it's your time, it's your time, and uh, you know it's just it felt incredible for me. It was definitely it felt like a win, and um, it definitely felt a win for for all my fans and followers. So. You know, I really appreciate you having me on, and I always have a good time talking talking story with you, bud. Matty Wong has been our guest. Matty, good luck. Be safe. Thanks, buddy. See you later. All right, we get a break in here. When we come back, Clark Wendlet is up next on Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. And welcome back, Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. The segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Visit Anderson. And I'll tell you what, uh, Anderson, South Carolina, just absolutely gorgeous. The whole atmosphere there is tremendous. And then, of course, you go to Green Pond Landing, and it's one of the top spots uh, anywhere in terms of uh, uh, a facility. It's tremendous there at Lake Harwell. And, and the results have been tremendous there there was a tournament this past week 23 pounds in a team tournament for five bass at lake harwell it has just been absolutely tremendous also tremendous is clark wendelet of course he was the Bassmaster angler of the year a couple of years ago he's been a angler of the year uh with flw back in the day several times and uh had a great tournament fishing second at the sabine and he joins us now in a vmc hotline uh clark welcome to the show how are you I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you joining us. You are a Texas guy. You go over there into East Texas to fish this tournament. Give me your take on your feeling going into the tournament. Did you feel like you had a great opportunity to to to, to have a high finish? Well, I, I I haven't really fished there very much. You know, we went there. Uh, you may even have to tell me, but probably 21, mm-hmm. and that was the only time I'd ever fished it before. And so I took the opportunity. Since it was a closed tournament, I typically don't pre-practice, but I went over there and pre-practiced and just got got a feel for the fishery, if nothing else. I, I did it like in the fall, and so it was a long time before the tournament, not just right before the tournament. And, you know, just got a feel for it. And, and um, you know, I, I, I so from that standpoint, I did feel pretty good going into the tournament. You finished uh, 30th in 2022 over there, so had made the cut, made a nice little check uh, for that deal. Uh, not nearly as nice as this one here. Did you feel going into the final day? I mean, it, it, this deal, it was such a big deal. If you could catch one really good one, that, that four, four-and-a-half-pounder um, that could change everything, and you were you were making a good move on Sunday, did you feel going in on Sunday that you really had a chance to run down Brock and uh, and get the win? Well, I mean, he had a five pound lead. That was, that was what I was, you know, facing. And so, or almost five pounds. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, I probably uh, thought maybe, you know, I, I just thought everything would have to go perfect. And as far as my day went the morning, everything did go perfect. I mean, I, I, uh, I got there. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't catching much flipping. There was a little bit of breeze, which it was hard to get breeze in that little area I was in. But there was a little bit of breeze, and I started throwing a spinnerbait and just started catching them quick. Yeah, well, is that what made the, dis- the decision to go to the spinnerbait was the uh, the breeze? Because you didn't have a lot of that throughout this tournament. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, the The first day of the tournament, I actually caught them on a spinnerbait. Um, not not all of them, but maybe half of them. And uh, but then on days two and three, I got over there, dead slick, calm, sunny. There wasn't any cloud cover at all, and I and I couldn't get them to bite it at all. And so, you know, it was always in the back of my mind that maybe I would throw it. Uh, got over there, and the wind started blowing, and it didn't even put a ripple on the water. I was really disappointed. <laughs> I was like, I was looking at the water. I was like, come on, I need a little chop here. And, and, and it blew for about 20 minutes, and finally a little bitty chop kind of started. And, uh, and so then I picked it up, and, and it was a little small Strike King spinnerbait, a 5-16th ounce. Um, you know, it's probably smaller spinnerbait than I've thrown. Uh, at least I haven't thrown one that small very often. 
And uh, but it just it seemed those fish seemed to be up high in the water column and they seemed to bite it pretty good. It was a double Colorado and it and I put a little twin tail trailer on there. I don't know. It just looked good to me. I don't I don't really have any other uh, <laughs> thoughts on it. I, I got some bites in practice on spinnerbait. And so then when I caught some the first day, I really thought I'd be able to catch them every day, but I couldn't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Clark Wendell with us here. And then you were, you know, doing it with the jig as well. And is that what you like to do? I mean, you like to kind of narrow it down and not have a bunch of rods on the deck because it can be, you know, uh, paralysis by analysis sometimes when you got too many different things laid out. But it seemed like you um, you narrowed it down to just a couple of baits that you were going to use and, and, and have confidence in that. Yeah, I did. I mean, you know, I spent so I spent four days in there and I spent a day of practice in there. And and kind of started getting more and more dialed in. And, and, and on the first day and in practice, I was actually flipping a little small worm. And mm. um, but that when I switched to the jig, it just seemed to get a little bit bigger bites. And so uh, I noticed there was a bunch of crawfish in my live well. Um, whenever I see crawfish, I'm thinking jig. And so um, you know, it 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 ended up being the bait that I thought was by far the best. Clark Wendell with us here. By the way, one of the best-looking boats, his Ranger, absolutely sweet. That Bass Pro Shops, Cabela's Club deal. How much influence did you have in the design of your wrap? Because your wrap is sweet, matches your gear, your your jersey and everything so well. Um, how much do you have behind that, or is that something Bass Pro Shops came up with? No, actually, it was kind of a collaborative effort. Um, they – the the – my wrap has looked like kind of similar to this for about three or four years. And the very back of it was just uh, kind of some, some stripes on it. And, and I've got a relationship with true timber and, mm-hmm. and they've got some cool camo patterns. And, and uh, so we, we put this midnight camo on the back of it and, and man, I think it, it really made it pop. I mean, the yellow makes it pop for sure. But I like that camo on the back. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's a good-looking rig for sure for Clark Wendlet. All right, um, you head north now. I mean, you I know you love it up there at the St. Lawrence River. Going out of Clayton this time when you get up to there. Got St. Clair coming up. But three big tournaments, Champlain as well. Three big tournaments up north. Um, you're hovering around that classic cut line. You know, this is always interesting to start following these guys that are in that, you know, 37 to 43 type range. I think you're 40th right now now um in the uh, aoi standings talk about going north and in in your level of confidence uh, as you head up there well i you know i love fishing up up there i I've, I've had a lot of success over the years i don't i don't do good in every single smallmouth tournament but i just kind of get that fish for for whatever reason it, i don't i don't have many of them around me but but when i get up there i really i really excel and and so I was just hoping, um, you know, I had a poor tournament at Lay Lake. I kind of fell in the standings. And then uh, I was just hoping to have some momentum going into that northern swing. And we're really going to my three favorite fisheries. Um, probably if I had to pick three places to go, I'd pick St. Clair, Champlain, and St. Lawrence River. And and I'm, I'm so I'm thrilled with the schedule. I'm thrilled with, uh, with those tournaments. I, I'm looking forward to catching big smallmouth. I know it's going to take a lot of weight. It's not going to be one of those you can 
you can, uh, you know, have a bad day and you got to do good every day. Now, are you a Texan originally? Are you from up that way? Because it always seems like the guys from the South love going up North and fishing up there in the summertime. Part of it is the heat. And then guys like me who are from up there, uh, can't wait to get down to the dirty South and fishing, you know, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, and those kind of places. Yeah. It's funny how it works that way. Um, no, I'm, I'm actually from Texas and I've always been in Texas and, and uh, the the very my very first event I ever fished up there my it was actually my first BAS if I had won uh, the Redman All American in '92 and I fished the St Lawrence River as my very first event um, out of Clayton um, as it was and and it was uh, I think I finished in the t- I think I finished ninth in the mm-hmm. very, in my very first one and uh, I just kind of fell in love with that kind of fishing and it, it was a lot different then. Uh, than it is now and and the bags weren't nearly as big i mean if you caught a four pounder that was a great fish back then now you got to have a limit of four pounders for five for four days to have a chance to win so um you know it was a different fishery but it's still just one of those special places that i always uh when i think of a great place to fish that's one of the ones that comes to mind this is crazy i think i fished that same tournament I think I fished that same tournament out of a ranger actually back in the day. And it was, uh, uh, yeah, you know, you would, you would, if you had 15 pounds a day, I mean, you were killing it on the St. Lawrence. You could make yeah. a nice check with 15 pounds a day. Uh, you could also rip your That's lower exactly unit off. Right. Running. I remember Jimmy Houston ripping off his lower unit up there, uh, you know, hitting one of those shoals that just comes out of nowhere uh, as you'd run yeah. up and down that river. It, uh, it, it was something. Clark Wendlet uh, with us here. Um, and I also fished not too far from you. I was fishing with Jason Lambert at the uh, open at Wheeler on the flats there, and we saw you in the same area. We, were, we weren't catching them. You were. You had a nice finish in that deal. I mean, that fifth place finish at the uh, at the open, you know, that was uh, that was pretty strong right there against two hundred and twenty five guys. Yeah, and it actually, it it just kind of gave me a little bit of momentum heading into the uh, the week at the Sabine, and so yeah, it was it was a good tournament. I, I fished Wheeler over the years several times, and and there was a, a really uh, tough period where Wheeler just wasn't that mm. good. There was almost no tournaments going there. Um, and I, I actually, on that very flat in a BASS, and I couldn't tell you what tournament it is, but it was a long time ago, but I caught a 10-4 on one of those stumps. Wow. And so uh, I'll never forget that. that. That's a heck of a fish out there in Alabama. Yeah, it's starting to come back. I have a, I tell people all the time, I only live an hour from the lake. I have a love-hate relationship with the lake. I love to hate it is basically how I feel about, about Wheeler. <laughs> but I'd rather go one way to Pickwick or the other way to Gunnersville before I'm going to go to Wheeler. But that's just a whole other story. Clark Wendell has been our guest. Clark, we appreciate Appreciate you. Top three come on after every elite event. So hopefully we'll be talking again after one of these tournaments up north. Yeah, let's do it after one of these smallmouth tournaments. And uh, I'll look forward to talking to you at the Classic as well. All right. Be safe getting up there. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks. Clark Wendlet. All right. We'll get a break in here when we come back. The Rapala Winners Circle. And we'll do that with Brock Mosley next on Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network. Welcome back to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. And hey, welcome back, Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Time now for the Rabble of Winter Circle. And I, I'll tell you what, we've been waiting for this one to happen. And we knew it was going to happen. It was coming. There was no doubt that we were going to see Brock Mosley 
into Winter Circle one of these times, five times. Uh, we've had him on in the number two slot when we do a top three shows after every elite event. But this time, he is the one that takes us home, uh, hitting in that three slot like he did probably back in the day when he was a baseball player. It is Brock Mosley, Phoenix Pro Brock Mosley. Brock, welcome to the show. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks man. Hey, it's been a real special week. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine just taking me through the emotions of, of, of heading back home. It wasn't a long run for you to go back home, but um, going home and having to make some room for that, that blue trophy. Did it ride shotgun or was it in the back seat? I, I started to let it ride shotgun and put my cameraman in my back seat, but I was like, nah, <laughs> I'll let him let him sit up front. And he wanted to get in the back and take a picture like that, like the trophy was in the front, but. Uh, we never did get around to doing that, but uh, no, nah, it ran in the back seat, but it, it was strapped in with a seatbelt. Um, the guys always tell me when they win their first one, they're like, "Dang, this thing is heavy." <laughs> was it, did it surprise you a little bit when you go to lift it over your head? I mean, you're you're an athlete, oh. you're a big strapping guy, but it, things a little heavier than you thought, probably. Oh, dude, one hundred percent. I got burned my arm from holding that thing. <laughs> that, that is no joke. That thing. Uh, I think they said it weighs forty eight pounds. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, that... Now I know why Taku needed help at St. Lawrence that year. <laughs> yeah, he definitely needed help. There was no doubt about it. I don't think he weighs much more than 148 pounds probably at the most, but uh, yeah, you're right about that. Um, you push your winnings over $785,000. Now, everybody always says, you know, it's the trophy. It's the blue trophy. It's being a champion. Uh, even, you know, I hear Davey say it sometimes, Davey Hyde, and he'll say, you know, even more than $100,000, it's, it's that blue trophy and being a champion. $100,000 doesn't suck, though, isn't it? I mean, that, 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 that'll pay a few bills. It definitely doesn't suck. I mean, I, I can tr- I can assure you, but, you know, it was more or less just winning the title. You know, the whole day you're you're, you're worried about, you know, you can, only concern is winning the title and that trophy. And then, you know, the money's a bonus. Yeah. Do you get a text at all from, uh, from Teresa over at Phoenix or from Gary Klaus, you know, or do you have Phoenix guys giving you a little bit of uh, congratulations for getting the win and taking Phoenix back to the, uh, back to the winter circle? Absolutely. And I had several texts from the guys that work in the office telling me, thanks for not screwing up their uh, fantasy team this week. <laughs> kind of an inside joke. Uh, but yeah, they're awesome, man. They're, I'm blessed to be able to work with them. And I tell Teresa all the time, thank you for allowing me to represent your company. Yeah. Cause, the- uh, they're very family oriented. It really is. And you know that, uh, you know, I live in Winchester. Our Bassmaster Radio Studios are here in Winchester, Tennessee. I literally live two miles from the plant and, uh, you know, love going over there. And, 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 and anytime you need anything, you know, everybody just responds. And when you walk around the plant itself and, and you got the different people that are doing their different jobs, you just get that feeling, that sense that, and in this day and age where there's so much consolidation going on, to see what they're doing over there and and how that company has exploded and how many Phoenix are out there and there's 20 some odd guys uh, on the elite series now running Phoenix it really is uh, it really makes you proud yeah and five out of the six elite series events this year has been won out of Phoenix mhm it's good five out of the six that's a great point now i noticed on watching on sunday i was like wait Where's Mosley's Ole Miss blue, man? Where's that powder blue on a Sunday? You're always rocking the powder blue. The only thing is 
you know, you're like 0 for 5 in the top 10 wearing that powder blue on a Sunday. And I thought for sure that this had to be something to try and change your luck up that you went red or that maybe you left the powder blue back at home. I don't know. So tell us the story, how you ended up in the red on Sunday, which led to your first blue trophy. You know, uh, I told the people of ours on Saturday at the weigh-in that I would be going to the concerts at night and hanging out with those people uh, of Orange, Texas. And uh, we're standing there hanging out at the concert, and, you know, Seth Fighter leans over and says, hey, you know if you wear that stupid blue jersey tomorrow, you're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, crap, Seth. Now, thanks a lot, man. <laughs> Now I'm not going to wear it. <laughs> and you won. I mean, you can't, you yeah. can't, I mean, the blue is so unique. There's no doubt about it. I say wear it earlier in the week and wear the Sunday red, you know, go all Tiger Woods with the Sunday red. But uh, I mean, I don't know, man, if you're, you're, you go up North and you're sitting there, you know, uh, in the three or the four hole on a Sunday, I don't know how you change colors. You know, we're superstitious as fishermen, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I got to get it another shot i haven't got all my seconds in the blue jersey just three of them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, brock mosley with us here coming off of uh his victory all right you had an interesting start to the day on saturday um you got out there to to your spot or to the area or you knew going in that you and maddie wong uh who was right there as well maddie uh you know uh coming in third in this one in his first top 10 uh ever but you know, you knew that you guys were very, very close to each other, and he acquiesced to you. I mean, he let you have that starting spot, and it's amazing in a body of water this big that that starting spot was so important, and, of course, you catch the big four-pounder on the top water. It was so exciting to see. But just talk about the interaction with Maddie before that happened and after that happened. Well, the first two days of the tournament, I started there and had it to myself. Never seen, never seen another boat. Mm-hmm. And my photographers can bounce for it. And, you know, every day I catch eight to ten and a half pounds. Like on, you know, on day two, I caught over 10 pounds in the first two hours. And I'm like, and they were all the same size. So I'm like, I'm not going to sit here burning through, you know, pounding three quarter fish trying to upgrade. I'm just going to leave it alone. And so I would run the tailors after I got a solid start every day and leave those fish alone. And I'm, you know, it's so, it was so close to the round. I knew guys were going to fish in there especially on their way in every day. But uh, I kind of got wind that Matty Wong caught his fish in there the second afternoon. And I just reached out to him and said, hey, man. Uh, and I told him, I was like, I heard you caught your fish in there. I said, I ain't got no problem with it, you know, at, at all. You know, you found them. Uh, I said, I just ask out of respect, of, you know, for the leader, if you would just give me, you know, 30 minutes in the morning. Because I only had a pound up on him mm-hmm. going into day three. So, I mean, he's still, you know, he was still anybody's game. But I said, just out of respect for the leader, if you would just give me 30 minutes where I could not feel rushed. And, uh, if you know, if you are starting there, because like I said, I wasn't for sure he was starting there. But once, you know, I figured since he caught his fish there on day two, that's where mm-hmm. he would start. And uh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't excited about it, but he ended up doing it. And I told him, I said, well, you know, if, if you're leading on day four, I'll do the same for you. And, uh, you know, then I, you know, kind of, put myself in front of the the rest of the field on day three and uh you know luckily you know i didn't have to let him have it on that morning day four um and that's something that could pay off for him down the road right i mean you owe him one you know that i mean it's if if it were to happen again that situation in reverse down the road uh he's got money in the bank with you well i told him 
you know, I understand his position. He's, you know, he's worried about, you know, finishing in the top 70 in points and requalling for the leads. And I understand, you know, where he was coming from. He trying to make his first top 10 on the elite. And I, I understood everything. And I just wanted to go ahead and have the, instead of knocking heads Saturday morning, I just wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way, you know, have a phone call with him. Um, Cause you know, I was boat number one. I was going to be there, be there anyway, but um, it all worked out. Yeah. Um, no, it was classy the way the whole thing I thought was handled uh, between you two guys, and it worked out as he ended up finishing uh, third in the deal. What was the what was the key there? And and it didn't seem like there were release fish. Uh, it wasn't far from the takeoff. A lot of tournaments go out of that region and that area. But what was the secret to that one little spot? I mean, and this is a guy in you. You were one of the guys last year that ran to Houston, I think, right? Or the last time you guys were there, you made that long run. And here you're yeah. making one of the shortest runs of, of the tournament this time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I kind of threw the Houston thing out the window early because uh, I've learned in my elite career, you know, once you do well in an event, and especially when you have a camera on your boat and everybody knows where you're fishing, um, you can kind of scratch that out the memory bank because it's not going to work again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, guys, they'll go practice and they'll fish in that area. That place in Houston just is not a very big area and don't handle pressure well. So I I knew I had to have a different game plan. And, of course, I topped, uh, you know, made the final day in 2018 when we were there. And we were in there in June that year, and I caught most of my fish in Taylor's Taylor's area that year. So, uh, you know, I I just figured I would start close every day. We're, you know, getting late in our season, and, you know, you're not worried about the classic or anything, but more or less you're trying to make sure you don't do anything stupid, bomb, and, you know, you want to get every point you can get toward the classic qualification. Yeah, 27. I was going to start – I wanted to start close every day. I was catching better quality keepers in the Sabine. And then every day once I got, you know, eight to nine pounds, run to Taylor's and try to upgrade. But I ended up stumbling on that on that place uh, after lunch on day two and uh, or right around lunch on day two and caught five or six. And I was like, man, I'm going to get out of here. Just, there's, some, there's some fish here. And that's the way the Sabine is. It's real stretchy. You'll go forever without a bite and all of a sudden go down one stretch and there they all are. Yeah. Yeah, Brock Mosley with us here coming off his win at the Sabine River. We'll take a short break and come back more with the champ, Brock Mosley, next on Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network. Welcome back to Phoenix Boats Bassmaster Radio. Now, here's your host, Tom Abraham. And welcome back, Phoenix Sports Bassmaster Radio, as we visit with Brock Mosley in the Rapala Winter Circle and uh, talking about his big victory coming up uh, the Sabine River this past week. Uh, three tournaments coming up up north uh, to finish off the regular season, and we'll talk to Brock about that in a moment. But let's talk about the Rebel Pop R, baby. I mean, hey, you're a man after my own heart when you broke one of those out. I'm a Pop R guy. Still got a box full of them. Yours was all beat up, and you could see all the marks on it on the side of it. I, I thought that was really cool. You had to modify it a little bit with hooks, but what made that that work for you with the Rebel Pop R? You know, uh, from where I live here in Mississippi, we, we have a lot of tough fishing, a lot of grinding tournaments. And, you know, once you get past April or, you know, into towards the summer months, one of the best ways, in my opinion, to get a bite is the old pop R. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy for the fish just to come up and 
get it a quick, itself a quick snap and a snack. And uh, it's just one of them baits I always kind of have tied on in the grinder. And uh, I had that one in my box, and it was all rusted. And <laughs> I just old hooks off and split rings off, put new tro cars on there, and they went to biting it, and I just kind of kept it in my hand. Got to have the and feather, I mean, though, right? I mean, the feather's key. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, a lot of the fish, especially on camera, they wasn't exploding on it. They would just ease up there and just kind of slurp it under. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't know how big the fish was till I, I leaned into it. You know, and usually with a pop bar, you're like, oh, man, that was a good one. Well, you couldn't really do that this time because they were just – it was such a subtle bite. Like, there was times where I just kind of looked away for a second, looked back, and my pop bar's gone. Yeah. They're just sucking it down, and and you go straight braid right to the lure. Do you do that all as opposed to adding any kind of a a leader? Do you do that with all of your top waters for the most part? I do with like my buzz baits and all, but the one reason why I did that is because practice I'm fishing it with it in other areas of the of the system that has a lot of like reeds or you know me being lazy i didn't want to have to go retrieve it i was like well if i throw it on straight braid for now i can just if i throw it up in the trees or the bushes i can just pull it and it'll come right. back. <laughs> that's good stuff now, practice, you're, not, you're not worried about bending your hooks or anything so i'm like ah, it'll be all right and then i just kind of stuck with it <laughs> you also went with that that power shot rig which is which is also kind of cool because, you know, for those of us that don't really like to do a lot with the spinning rod, we know you got to do it. You know, you, you'll certainly will be doing it the next three tournaments, I'm sure. But um, talk about the power shot and how different that is from the drop shot. Does it act just like a drop shot, just on heavier gear, or, or what's the uh, what's the take on that deal? Yeah, actually, uh, during practice, uh, I talked to Hank Cherry, and he he was getting bid on the drop shot. And I was like, man, that's kind of light. He's like, well, I'm actually power shotting it. You know, I got bigger, bigger line on here. And when I found that spot, I actually found it flipping the Texas rig. But I'm like, man, it ought to make it makes sense for the power shot to work here. And what it was is, it was old rails where they used to push barges or ships up on the bank mm-hmm. to sandblast them or work on them. So those rails went all the way deep in the water, and they're old and they're rusted. So with that power shot, I was able to use 17-pound line and get away with it mm-hmm. with the watercolor, you know, being so dirty. But, uh, you know, there were several fish I'd had hook and would run me into one of those rails during the week and break me off because there's so much rust on them. But, you know, so I, with the power shot, I was able to use that heavier 17-pound line, and I was able to get most of those fish in the, into the boat. Yeah, Brock Mosley with us here. All right, uh, St. Clair, Lake Champlain, St. Lawrence River. You like it up there. I mean, you you think uh, you talk about Champlain being one of your play, favorite places in the world and have had some good success up there. 27th in the points right now, locking yourself into a very solid position for the Tulsa Classic next spring. But um, just talk about your chances and what you like about going to, the, to St. Clair. We haven't been there in a minute. And then Champlain and finishing up at the St. Lawrence River. Well, I actually got a couple of seconds up in that di- that direction too. I got a second yeah. on St. Clair and a second on St. Lawrence, but uh, and I got some top tens on on Champlain. But you know, just going to some fisheries that I'm comfortable with, I'm confident with, and you know, I'm not like having to, I'm not going into them, you know, having to make up ground for the classic. I can go into them kind of relaxed a little bit and just go have fun and 
you know, I don't have to set the world on fire to make a classic. You know, if I go just go three for three and making top fifties, you know, I'm going to be good on making the classic. So I love going up there. Main reason I, one of the main reasons I love going down up there is because it's going to be a hundred degrees here at home <laughs> and 70 degrees up there. So uh, not to mention the giant smallmouth, but looking forward to it, man. I got a lot of confidence going up there. Got the wind under my belt and, uh, Hey, you never know. I mean, my seconds always came in kind of flurries. Yeah, yeah, you were second in, tw- in 2017, second at both St. Clair and uh, the St. Lawrence. Was that the year, one of those years at the St. Lawrence, where you were on largemouth, weren't you? Weren't you, like, working in a, in a little a little area where there was some largemouth, like by a marina or something? That was actually, I actually finished third that time. But okay. <laughs> my only third place finish, but, yeah, that was that was on the St. Lawrence, too. Yeah. Uh, that was actually in 2020, and uh, but yeah, in 2017, I finished second to Van Dam there, which he smoked me by like eight pounds. I just beat everybody else. <laughs> I uh, I grew up up there, and it used to be, you know, in the 80s and 90s, that it used to be largemouth would would be a big player in those tournaments because the smallmouth. I mean, if you had 15 pounds a day, you were in great shape. Uh, it, it isn't like now with the gobies and then the smallmouth are tanks and and all like that. It, it used to be you'd go into those inland areas and slip into those islands and find some grass and catch some, uh, you know, three and a half pound largemouth and, and do some serious damage. But uh, now it's almost like you you, you got to be on those smallies. They're just they're just too big. Right, and you know I I understand the largemouth up there. Like I. I I feel like I know where I can go, can go catch them that, you know, don't get as much pressure. And it's more or less pick one up here, one up there type deal. And, you know, I feel confident that I could catch 18 to, you know, 22 pounds a day of largemouth, but that's not going to do you <laughs> yeah. anymore. You know, yeah. the days of, uh, you know, if it was just a river only tournament in, in July, yeah, you could, you could compete with them, but, since you know the lakes open and we go in August, if you go in August and you fish for largemouth, you are fisting to get drilled. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no, a, yeah, no doubt I mean, about I, it. Especially going out of Clayton, you know, you, when you're going out yeah. of Clayton, I mean, you're right there at the mouth of the river, uh, mouth of the lake, really. I caught twenty two half, twenty two and a half pounds, two days in a row on the first two days last year, and I fell in the standings. <laughs> wow. I backed up another 22 and a half with 22 and a half and I fell like six spots. That's <laughs> nuts. I mean, it's the pressure to catch 25 a day. It's just absolutely crazy. Brock Mosley has been our guest. Brock, we appreciate you. We had Brock Mosley on about just several weeks ago talking about the code of lithium. And uh, of course, top three come on after every elite series event. So who knows, Brock, you know, we might be talking again. Like you say, you go in flurries with these top finishes. Let's see what happens up North. Yeah, buddy. I appreciate you having me on, and hopefully you'll have me on again before the season's over. All right. Enjoy your enjoy your little month off here before you head north. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, man. Thank you. That's Brock Mosley. I like that guy. I like him because he's an ex-baseball player. I like him because he's, he's an athlete. He's a grinder. And, um, you know, and he's got a great attitude about the second-place finishes that he has had. And now, of course, he gets the win. All right, before we put the Bassmaster Phoenix back on the trailer, let's take a look at some news and notes from around the pond. Congratulations to Michael Cates, a 51-year-old resident of Arlington, Texas, who caught 10 bass measuring 
210.25 total inches to win the Yamaha Wrightwaters Bassmaster Kayak Series, powered by Tourney X on Possum Kingdom Lake, a 17,000-acre reservoir of the Brazos River, about 90 miles west of his home. He measured a limit of five bass for 109.75 inches on day one, and though his catch dropped to 100.5 inches Sunday, he had more than enough length to secure the victory. Cates earned a cash prize of $7,846 with the win, besting 128 other anglers from around the U.S., vying for a total purse of $25,800. The 2023 Bass Pro Shops Bassmaster Team Championship will be held on the Harris Chain of Lakes in Leesburg, Florida, December 6th through the 9th, filling the last spot of the 2024 Academy Sports and Outdoors Bassmaster Classic presented by Toyota. The Harris Chain last hosted the event in 2020. Now, if you are looking for the best in sublimated fishing jerseys, the best in the business is Valley Fashions. They have all the major logos, and they will set up your artwork for you and get your jerseys turned around quickly. Valley Fashions has incredible stock designs, and they'll work with you on a custom design. Valley Fashions has done our jerseys at Bassmaster Radio for the last several years, and I couldn't be happier. Visit VFOutdoors.com to get your order started today. Long sleeve, short sleeve, hoodies, and more. It's VFOutdoors.com. Now, if you missed any of this week's show, remember it is just a click away at Bassmaster.com forward slash radio or just hit the nation button and click on Bassmaster Radio. So until next time, keep those lines tight and nuts heavy. I'm Tom Abraham, and this has been Phoenix Post Bassmaster Radio on the Bassmaster Radio Network.